0: This is an IG paid post. The news and editorial staff of the Financial Times had no role in its preparation.
1: Hello and welcome to IG's Decoding the Markets. I'm Victoria Scholar and joining me today is Peter Dixon, global financial economist at Commerce Bank, and we're here to talk about the latest developments on Brexit. Peter, good to speak to you. So, last night the Prime Minister won backing for his withdrawal agreement bill, but lost the second Commons vote on the so called programme motion, aimed to rush through his legislation by Thursday night. So, when we looked at the reaction from the pound, it sold off a bit, but I thought that was kind of interesting given the fact Fact that this was largely expected what did
0: you think yes i mean I, I tend to agree i mean i think if you look at what the pound had done um between saturday and the timing of the vote it hadn't really done an awful lot and and as you said it, it sold off now it was i think personally i think that the pound was always a little bit overly strong given what we knew about the likelihood of the the deal being passed through on, on the NOB this week so in that sense, I think the the markets were probably overly optimistic going into the votes, and the reaction I think probably puts the, uh, the the pound back to where it should be. you know it was a little bit weaker than it was um, a week ago prior to the um, you know prices price Saturday votes,
1: yeah, so we heard from Speaker John Burko, who said that the bill was now static but not a corpse. What do you think he meant by that
0: well I mean I think it 's interesting that the MPs did give the assent for you know for a second reading, so um, this is the first time that MPs have actually voted on any piece of le- voted positively on any piece of Brexit related legislation. So I think they are uh, giving the an indication to the wider public that MPs are open to a deal. It's just not necessarily this deal, and not necessarily, or uh, well, certainly not in the time frame that the government was proposing. So I think there is. Still uh, an open door on Brexit, but uh, we need to ensure that the conditions um, are right to allow MPs to, to go on debating the, the, the deal that was, uh, was put forward yesterday.
1: So, how likely is it that we leave the EU with Mr Johnson's deal? And if we don't, then is the alternative a No Deal, or are there any other alternatives?
0: It depends on your time frame. I mean will it leave with or without a deal on the 31st of October? I, I think the chances of that are virtually zero. So um, the question then is, will the EU grant an extension to the 31st of January? And the, and the answer is, I think that's fairly likely. So the question is then, what sort of deal will the EU, will the UK have um, by the end of, of January, which might enable it to, to leave the EU? The problem is that there is likely to be an awful lot of horse trading between now and then as MPs uh, make amendments to the bill, uh, one of which could potentially be the addition of a second referendum as a ratification measure. Um, Now, that's going to significantly change the nature of the deal from the government's perspective. Uh, And if there are significant uh, amounts of uh, legislative change, that would also potentially fly in the face of what the EU has agreed with. So, um, it may actually end up not being the same deal as the EU and the UK agreed now that then raises the question what happens at the end of the 31st of of january if there is if there is no Um, no agreement, will the UK leave without a deal? Well, I rather suspect that MPs will do their very, very best to prevent that from happening. I mean, they've done it before, and I suspect they'll do it again. Nobody wants to leave with no deal. Whatever the government might say, whatever the rhetoric, uh, however the rhetoric might sound, uh, it doesn't make economic sense. And I think we've we've seen over the course of the last few months uh, exactly what sort of things the government has to prepare for. So I rather suspect that if we get into a situation where we're not any further forward in January, we will probably again have this last minute face-off and uh, the so governments try their very best or sorry MPs try their very best to provide some form of, of safety net which might involve yet another extension.
1: What about before that though I mean what do you think the chances are that we find ourselves in a general election and what would be the sequence of events that gets us there?
0: I think that's a a very good point, because obviously that could change the calculus uh, significantly, particularly if we end up with a rather larger Tory fraction in in Parliament. What you get is, though, is basically the government appears to have thrown up its hands and said, you know, we can't take this any further. There is an impasse in the Brexit process. What are we going to do? Now, I think it's pretty much an open secret that Boris Johnson wants to fight an election. So it's entirely possible that, you know, over the course of the coming days or possibly weeks, the government might try to push it up through the House of Commons in a bid to try and get two-thirds of MPs to agree to hold an early election. Two things. One, the the question of whether we can get all, you know, two-thirds of MPs on side, I think, is, is questionable. I think the Conservatives would clearly you know, push for that, the Scottish Nationalists are clearly very keen, whether other parties would be prepared to go along with it, I'm less sure. And the the second point is that, you know, even if we do get an election or uh, an agreement for an election, time is running short to ensure that it could take place before the the end of of this year. I think that the very last date you could possibly hold an election is the 12th of uh, December. You need basically five weeks at the very minimum to prepare for it. So uh, you know, time is, is very tight.
1: All right, let's talk about the markets a bit now, because we've seen the pound trade really as a function of investor sentiment towards Brexit recently. I mean, we've seen this massive rally in recent weeks. I mean, when do you think markets will go back to trading on fundamentals?
0: How long is a piece of string, I think, is the answer to that question. Basically, uh, the Brexit process will continue to run and run. Uh, and as a consequence, I think the pound will trade to a greater or lesser degree um, upon that particular event the the question is you know in the short term will the pound continue to trade on on Brexit purely and i think the answer is yes um if there is some form of agreement in which the you know the the UK and EU can can enter into transition phase and put the question of you know the long term arrangements um you know out into the into the longer term future then that's the point at which you know, we might see a little bit more uh fundamental uh, fundamentally driven movement in the pound so we're talking Potentially in the first half of next year, but, you know, I certainly wouldn't like to, like to bet on it. Um, and there does appear to be a very significant risk premium of, you know, possibly 20, 20 cents uh, built into the, uh, the, the the cable rate at the moment.
1: So, on the subject of uh, risk premium, I mean, we can see that the FTSE is very, very undervalued versus, say, its US peers or even its U- U- European peers. I mean, we're seeing the market really discount Brexit uncertainty as well as potential economic concerns as well. I mean, is that an investment case, the fact that uh, valuations are so low in the UK right now and we could potentially see international investors come back in the case of a deal?
0: I think you have to be very careful about disentangling some of the effects here. I mean, valuations to the FTSE, I don't think, are quite as out of line with the rest of the world as people often think, you know, if you look at P ratios and dividend yields and, and that kind of thing. Um, I rather think that the, 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 the FTSE is not a million miles away. The problem that the FTSE has, of course, is it's also an inverse function of the of the sterling dollar rate. So if sterling were to weaken, that tends to, to, to drive up the FTSE, primarily because uh, something like seventy percent of UK corporate earnings in the FTSE uh, are derived from, uh, from, from from foreign currencies. So you have this rather bizarre situation in which the uh, a Brexit resolution, which sends the pound higher, might not actually be such a great news for for the FTSE. So you know, I rather think that if you if you have to be in equities, which I guess investors have to be to, to a greater or lesser degree, then you know they have to think very carefully about that geographical split. Um, and, and at the moment, I don't think the UK is that attractive. Um, but you know, equities as an overall asset class, I think, are um, certainly looking fairly toppy anyway. And I rather think that it, investors might be tempted to, you know, to stay out until such times as Brexit and indeed all the other geopolitical concerns are, uh, uh, are, are more clear.
1: All right, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much to my guest, Peter Dixon, global financial economist at Commerce Bank. I'm Victoria Scholar, and you've been listening to IG's Decoding the Markets.